So, you know, for me, common good, like when I hear it, including every single person, that resonates with me. And I also see that reflected in the life and model of Jesus. And I, too, with Shannon, have a really, really hard time seeing that right now in one of our two parties, knowing that neither party is perfect nor any other sort of third party is perfect. I get that. But I feel like we're at a point where one has just really gone off the rails from even its own historic values. Welcome to episode 105 of Pub Theology Live. That almost rhymes. A weekly conversation on life and faith over a craft brewed pint, a fine wine, maybe a single malt scotch, or whatever happens to be in your glass. You can catch new episodes weekly as the Reverends Shannon Meacham, Ogan Holder, and yours truly, Brian Burkoff, address and engage what's happening through a theological lens and, yes, with a good brew in hand. Pub Theology Live is happy to sponsor Vote Common Good, which is a rolling caravan of preachers, authors, musicians, and do-gooders who are inviting people of faith to move from fear to faith. And consider how their vote might be used in the service of the common good. Check out their tour schedule at votecommongood.com, and maybe they'll be rolling into a city near you. And as always, you can join our conversation on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, using the hashtag PTLive. Follow at Pup Theology on these platforms. Check out the video clips from the show on Instagram TV. And if you want to see the full splendor of who we are, the post-show, the pre-show, the all the above, and our pretty faces, uh, head over to YouTube and check us out there for some more content. You can also leave us a voicemail, uh, call us up. We'd love to hear you and get your voice on the show. If you call us at 980-PT-LIVE-0 or 980-785-4830, or you can always send us a message uh, via email at info at Well, today we discuss the common good. What is it? What do we mean when we use that phrase? What does that uh, bring up for you? Is that a term you would use? Uh, and this in light of the aforementioned Vote Common Good Tour, which rolled through my town last night. And we'll also discuss, uh, does everyone, every person, really want the same thing or the same things out of life uh, for those close to them and so on? We shall discuss... But before that, what are we drinking on the show today, friends? I'm continuing with the October theme. I have a, a Bell's Brewery up near, right. up near uh, uh, Brian there. Oktoberfest. So Sweet. it's a pretty good, it's a pretty good Oktoberfest, I have to say. Excellent. Pretty standard. Um, I, I had one of those days where, so you know, usually when you have a day off or you go on vacation, when you come back, it's like that much more work you have to do to make up for the day off. So, so today was the day work wise I'm working from home, but, but it was like nonstop thing after thing, after thing, after thing and call and meetings and all that kind of stuff did not get out for a bear run today. Should have gone yesterday. So, but I found this one in the back of the fridge an oldie, but a goodie from Jack's Abbey blood orange wheat. Mm, yum. Uh, and it's a rattler, so kind of a shandy kind of deal. But it's perfect because it's right up your alley. It's hitting like seventies and eighties uh, this week up here in New England. So I'm yeah. thrilled about that. And good, good, good temps, good drinks. Very good. That was uh, boy. That was a lot of like backstory too. I thought you were going to say you had no beer, and then you you did have a beer. So yeah, yeah. Well, you know. context is context is king, man. <laughs> well, I, I've got nothing new either. I'm still working through my uh, Canadian stash. So once again, I have the uh, Tall Ship East Coast Ale from from Garrison Brewing up in Halifax, uh, Nova Scotia. So. Kind of a lighter beer, which is good because I had a late <clears throat> night with the common good folks and yeah. 
so forth and didn't get enough rest, but ready for a beverage. I hear you. We were out for our anniversary last night, so I'm a little down. Congrats. That's right. One year. One year. Woo-woo. Anniversary. Derek's like, we made it. I was like, did you have a down? (laughs) Happy anniversary. And cheers. Cheers. Yeah. I don't think it was so much a doubt as as, (laughs) people don't, there's not enough. It doesn't seem like there's enough to celebrate in life these days. Exactly. Exactly. No. And, and, you know, that first year marriage is like, you know, that's the, you know, we went to the restaurant. We were married at a restaurant that like has a balcony over the Harbor, over Baltimore Harbor and went back to that restaurant and walked around the promenade and went to this great, um, bourbon whiskey bar after. Perfect. Did you have a view of Mr. Trash Wheel from the... Uh... Mr. Trash Wheel is on the other side of the oh, harbor. Gotcha. So. Wait, what is Mr. Trash Wheel? <laughs> Mr. Trash Wheel is this solar-powered thing that eats up the garbage in the harbor. Keeps the harbor, oh, keeps the haba clean. The, harbor, the haba clean. That's right. So there's all this Mr. Trash Wheel. There's, remember the beer I was drinking at the 100th? It was Mr. Trash Wheel beer. Like, whatever. I've not Ogan forgotten. doesn't have much memory of that day. No. He's <laughs> right. like, there was beer, and then the scotch came out, and I know we did the episode, but other right. than that, I got nothing. <laughs> yeah. I got, I, anytime I got to go like, what happened that day? I re-listened to the episode just to prove that I was there, but. <laughs> but. Yeah. That was a fun night afterwards. <laughs> oh, my word. Indeed. <laughs> That day, it wasn't about the pre-show. It was about the post-show. It was about the post-show. All about the post-show. And the silent discos. And- <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> my, my bloody toe. And I'm like, how am I even getting there? I forgot all about that. Oh, friends. We have a good time together. Let's not lie. Let's not lie. <laughs> Definitely should have done some video that day. Uh, no, I'm, I'm, there's one photo that shows it. And I'm all blurry in it. <laughs> it shows some of the chaos. It's pretty good. Anyway, friends. <laughs> anyway, so uh, kicking us off today, question, what is invisible, but you wish you could see it? That was a tough one for me because, because like, if, if I, I think that if I were to see the things invisible, it would freak me out more. Mm. For example, think about air. Like, we breathe air, the air mm. molecules that keep us alive to sustain us. But if you were to actually see these air molecules going in and out of you, you know, with all the pollutants and all that kind of stuff, that would freak the hell out of me. So I think it's, I think invisible things are best left in, in, invisible. There's, there's nothing I could see. That, that, so that was my first thought. Then I thought, but you know what? I would love to, I would love to see, like, you, you know, when when you love someone, when you share love between someone, there there's there's an energetic thing that happens, um, mm-hmm. and not just spiritually, but you know, if you're familiar with research done by the HeartMath Institute, like the the energetic field around your heart, like that you can actually measure, actually changes um, as your mood changes. So that would be nice to see. Um, you know, when I'm connecting with someone in that way to see that, that, that energy flow from heart to heart. But then again, I might be connecting with someone who I love, who isn't really loving me back. And I'm like, wait, where's, where's your energy? Why well, I'm not, I'm not getting the flow. So it might be best. To get <laughs> I don't know. That might've been really helpful at some points in life. Been, <laughs> but I don't want, I don't want my sure. love for them to be conditional on them loving me back. Mm-hmm. Right? That's yeah. not that's not like altruistic love. Right. So. Then nobody would love their teenager, oh, right? Exactly. Or what if you're at a party with your significant other and you're engaging oh. conversation with someone, finding finding a connection, and you're not meaning to love that person, but a little of the heart math, you know, becomes visible right. and your significant other says, Hey, what's happening here? We should need a if we could color code them, that'd be nice. <laughs> <laughs> this is a platonic love. Wait, this, this is, is blue like, wave, blue wave platonic. <laughs> You know. That'd be interesting, like watching movies and you're like, oh, I'm having some feelings here. And they're like, right. oh, what's happening? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, so I, I preached a sermon on Pentecost like years and years ago about the flame like over, yeah, you know, the flame of the spirit over people's heads. Right. And, 
And I, that's immediately what I thought of when I asked this question, because one of the things that I said was, would we be surprised at who has like that burning spirit of God in them and who doesn't, right? Like, and, right. you know, as we, I mean, we were just in the pre-show, we were talking about, you know, clergy renewal and exhaustion and not knowing where, you know, clergy go through spiritual crises and not just like everybody else does. And if that were, if that flame was bright or dim, like if that was showing for each of us, I think that would be, and then, you know, people that we consider heathens and terrible people and blah, blah, blah you know, like, and their flame is bright and wow, whatever. Yeah. I, I think it'd be really interesting to have that Pentecost moment for all of us of, of like, if you could see that visual spiritual connection. Now would you know? the negative side be a who's got more flame or if you show enough color, then, then you're really welcome or allowed in certain roles. Well, I think yeah. it would, well, I don't know. I think it, I think it would be really interesting. Like, like I a Sneetches with stars and a Sneetches without stars. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. My flame's bigger than your flame. Right. Well, and then like, what would that do? And how do you get the flame? Is it like the better you treat each other and the more connected you feel? Like, is that right. how the bigger, no, I, you know, I just think really it'd be really fascinating. And how could we distinguish it from if somebody actually happens to have like their hat on hair on fire like like, (laughs) my hair is on fire and they're like no you just got the spirit good going well i mean redhead no no, no, really your hair is on fire (laughs) so yeah uh, shannon's a redhead so she's already i mean genuinely jesus loves me more than all of you (laughs) oh see i i i see where this was going (laughs) i see where this was going now we we were led down a path and we walked right down it (laughs) we felt right but i but really, like beyond that, although I do think that's fascinating and you're welcome to borrow that for any Pentecost sermon. I think it would be fascinating to, to observe. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of, Sorry, go ahead. I, I was going to go more in the area. Like I was, I was actually thinking very in depth of like, what, what would it look like if we could actually see each other's pain? Like when I'm in pain and I'm covering it up, but somehow that was like, would I, would I rather that be exposed and people see it or would I rather that be kept secret? You know, cause there's been like times in my life that I've been genuinely in pain and, and there's part of me that's like, why I really wish somebody would notice this. I really wish somebody would acknowledge this. And yet, you know, you put on a happy face and you smile and you pretend like everything's okay. So, you know, I kind of went in that direction too of like, you know, what if we could see that, you know, I'm going through something today or I'm having feelings today or. So we need like a bodysuit version of a mood ring. Exactly. Right. There you go. That would be cool. Well, there you go. And that, that transitions into what I was thinking, which is related to all of what's been said. And that was if we could see emotions as a color. Um, and that connects with both of the things uh, you both have said. And you know, I, I wonder if it would help us if we knew when we were sort of brooding or or being kind of, I don't know, snarky or, or, or holding a grudge, if we knew that that was like visible, mm-hmm. you know, and I, you know, I think there's something to sensing an energy. And I think there's some real things like when someone walks into a room, either really positive or really negative, I think it does have an effect, but because it's not explicitly visible, we can get away with it at times. But if I think was, we would all lose our jobs. If it was more, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and many of our friends. Well, yeah, and, you wonder. A lot, of marriages would be done, a lot of marriages would be done before one year. And yet, what I mean, would yet, it have? Right. <laughs> but no, Brian, I hear you. And I think that that would be, I, but if we all had to change that, right? And I think what we're talking about is like, we're like, we're talking about this, you know, we're, we would expose every feeling and every, you know, like that's the way God's supposed to work with us. Or at least that's what scripture teaches. Like God knows every thought and every, you know, whatever, like it wouldn't just be like, I joke, like we would lose our jobs, but everybody would have to treat each other differently, you know? And so would it be for the better if we knew if it was visible, how we were sort of our inner disposition, if that was, visible would we behave better or would we be more fake in 
or could you well, could you even fake it? Would that even be possible? I think what you're describing is not fake, be not being able to fake it. Yeah, right. And I was gonna say we don't hide these things as much as we as well as we think we do. Right, right, so, right. Fair enough. It's not like they're currently invisible. We we know we know when somebody's being moody, snarky, or not being genuine and authentic. And, you know, it's up to them to decide when to tell us, and we may not know exactly what mood they're in or what precipitated it, but, but yeah. we know. We know. Plus, I think on SoundCloud, this show has a pretty high snark uh, rating right now. So. <laughs> and we know. <laughs> snark is my love language. It's fine. <laughs> no, there we go. There we go. There's a new TV show called God Friended Me. Have you seen this? Oh. I've seen the commercials. Is it bad? Okay. So, I don't know, but I'm tired of stuff like that. But I'll be, I'll, be, I'll be honest with you. I was kind of, I was where Shannon was as well, like just rolling my eyes at this uh, concept um, because it reminded me of a previous show called uh, Kevin Almost Saves the World. I don't know if you guys mm. saw this one too, but, but the, the whole concept of, or the underlying thing of God friending me is the same thing we're talking about being able to see when others are in need and helping them and in helping them, it creates a ripple effect that comes back to serve us and serve each other. So that's, that's basically the whole premise of the show. You know, the, the, the lead character, he gets like, um, uh, uh, a friend request. He gets this friend request from, you know, quote unquote, a God account, but then, there's a like a friend referral go friend this person right and then you know you'll run into the person and realizes i'm in episode two now he realizes i gotta show up and help this person in some way i don't know how and then there's kind of a ripple thing it's kind of formulaic and cheesy and corny because i was sitting there watching it with joy and basically half the time i'm calling out what's happening next and the very <laughs> work that's going to be said next you know but you get past that. I mean, it's, I think it's one of these shows that is saying to us in this world at this time, when it just seems all we're seeing is despair, we have the opportunity to connect with each other and serve each other and help each other. And, and, you know, that's God's love, compassion and being, being made visible. We don't, we don't need an app to tell us this, but if we're on social media all the time, connect with our friends especially when they're in despair and choose to share that interesting may have to check it out maybe future show topic inspiring um but i want us to get to a comment that ogan made on a recent episode might have been last week uh and that was that if we look at let's say maslow's hierarchy of needs that sort of at at a at a certain base level all humans want the same things uh, for themselves, for their family, for their neighbors, and and I, I've been chewing on that. And do you agree? Do you really agree with that? Do you really think that's true? And then that'll transition us into talking about the common good. But do do all people want the same things? So um, the word "things" is, I think, a little misleading. I would say people people want to be have have their basic needs taken care of. So, um, you know, when you look at, at the hierarchy of needs, you, you know, you start with psychological needs. You start with things like, you know, um, being, be, being, I guess, ba- sorry, basic needs, food, shelter, right, right. you know, air, w- water, you know. Survival stuff. Survival right. stuff. Um, you're talking about friendship and belonging and connection with other people, you know, a healthy sense of self-esteem, um, um, a, a sense of being recognized, being seen. The, these are all things people want. All things people, I would say, you know, as it says, hierarchy needs. People need to feel a sense of fulfillment in their life. Um, and they're the basis for which, on top of that, you build this idea of self-actualization, the, being, the, being, being the best version of yourself that you can be. I don't know that there's a human being that doesn't want these things. Now, what what I think goes awry is we get confused at what can provide us these things. Mm. And that's where the train falls off the tracks. You know, when we talk about self-esteem and belonging, do we, some of us know that we get these through meaningful, intimate relationships with other human beings. 
in the social media world, some of us equate that with, you know, the most clicks, likes, and followers, which right. is not a real thing, right? So, so I think that's that's the need for security. You know, again, honestly, the need for security comes again when you are with a group, a tribe of people, and you're looking out for each other. Some people take it to another extreme. Security equals I can have as many guns as I want in my basement. Um, so, so, so when we, I think for for us, it's it's what will provide these needs, and that's where I think so many of us are in disagreement about what will provide these needs and how we can set up our world or life or government or politics to get me the needs that I think I want. Yeah. So it's uh, at, so a certain base level of common needs, uh, obviously survival uh, certainly is a common baseline and then some things on top of that, but very interesting to, to approach it from uh, how do we get those needs met and maybe finding the differences there um, what do you think, Shannon? How would you add to, shift, tweak what Ogan said? Yeah, I'm. I'm really. Um, I spent this past weekend with my extended family. On my father's side. It's my grandmother's 95th birthday tomorrow, and all all of my cousins. This was the first time all of my cousins and I were together as adults. Um, you know that wow. we're we're all actually adults. I'm on the older side of our cousins, so we go from like. 22 to 40. Right. So, um, and, and watching us in our various stages and, and even my cousins who are, you know, in their first jobs ever and, and young and, and are going, I don't, I'm not ready to get married. I don't, but, but that need to be understood that need to have someone, whether it's a lifelong partner or not that loves them, that supports them, the need for community, um, like those needs were all there with, with all of us, no matter what stage of life we were, we were in. Um, and then, you know, watching our parents need that and watching even my grandmother need that as, as she's 95, she's living in one of those, you know, assisted living homes. Um, she was in the hospital with pneumonia a couple weeks ago and, um, then was in rehab. So we, we actually had our party at the, facility that she lives at and she was so happy to be back with the people she knew right like the her community she'd been away from them for two or three weeks and just watching that kind of the need for connection the need for i know you and i appreciate you and you contribute something here and and so yeah like how we all define that is different but i think we all need not just to be understood and to be loved but we need to know that we make a difference in the world mm. in, in even the smallest of way, which is we missed you, you know, or bridge, you know, we needed that fourth person in bridge, right? Like whatever it is, whatever it is. Like, yeah. We need to know that we matter. We matter. Exactly. I think that is one of the most basic human needs, you know, it was so interesting. Um, uh, I've been in a little bit of a malaise the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, I attribute it to a few things. You know, the Kavanaugh hearings, you know, totally depressed me and angered me. Um, had a congregant who her husband just recently died. And, you know, whenever somebody I know close to me loses their spouse, that, you know, triggers my own grief. Um, but one of the things that I hadn't realized that was also working on me was um, when uh, Joy turned 18. Mm. And I remember she came home one day and, you know, she was at her dance studio, some class or something, and they needed to, uh, she needed to sign some kind of consent form. And she came (laughs) home gleefully saying, and for the first time I could sign it on my own. Right. Good for you. But then a couple of days later, I was like, oh yeah, she can sign it on her own. Hey, guess what, dad? I don't need you anymore. Ouch. So the it's it's a uh, it's I mean there's still many levels where that's still the case but but <laughs> I remember but that was like the first twinge of mm-hmm. of, of kind of like feeling that and and it's interesting that part of my experience has been trying to prepare her right to take care of these needs on your own you know yeah. we her car you know the car she's driving had to go get inspected the other day so I went with her to show her that process and not, so so I'm trying to 
teach her all these day-to-day skills and, and equip her to do this on her own and beginning slowly but surely she's beginning to take over pieces of it and i'm realizing you know as much as i didn't want to admit it here's me feeling that sense of not being needed as much and it beginning to affect me so now i gotta go look out for this some more so yeah the need to be needed yeah i you know i think back to so we go back to that like if we could have feelings as colors if we could see that like if we could just see that in ourselves, I think life would be a lot better. And that's what therapy does, right? And that's what work, the, the inner work does, is that process of, so you can acknowledge that faster and faster, like, what am I feeling right now? How is this, you know? But it's almost like I want this, like, secret code of, like, how do I feel about that? Like, eight ball says, you know, if, whatever. <laughs> if, if we could see feelings as colors again, that would really be tricky for us colorblind folk. Cause oh my goodness, <laughs> just wow. saying, right? Are All right, you, well maybe are you maybe really it... pissed off or are you just <laughs> like I don't know what's happening right now because that red's looking. Maybe a it's a cool. twinge in your chakra, right? Like maybe it's like oh, that's it, level seven. Okay, my. Blah, blah, blah. Ogan's feeling a real connection with someone, and he just got his colors crossed. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which is I'm really sorry, I actually don't like you. I'm really just hungry. Excuse me. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I know wow. we've been dating for six months, but I don't actually like you. <laughs> what's, what's what's the accommodation for the colorblind folk? <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Okay, you get the idea. I you know, like and again, there I mean I think there are lots of I guess kind of going back, you know, the thing that drives me a little bit crazy about the God friended me stuff is like I on one hand, you know, we have these conversations of like anything good, anything good being put into the world is good for us as spiritual church leaders, et cetera, et cetera. And on the other hand, like I'm really weary of shows like this that are just gonna, and I'm not saying this one is, I haven't seen it, but I'm worried about the placating of, of um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the, everything happens for a reason and the, sure. um, whatever those are called, the, what are those called? What are those called? The predestination moments? <laughs> the Hallmark show? <laughs> but Hold on, keep going. I'll think of it. Every, everything. Platitudes. They're platitudes. Platitudes. Ah. Yeah. The platitudes, right? And I'm worried about shows like that, like, you know, just kind of continuing that kind of theology. And, and I'm worried about people watching that and getting their spiritualness from it, right? They're, well, I've just been to church. Like, This Is Us sends me to church. I love that show. And like, it sends me to church. But like, that's a very Southern saying, if you don't know what it means, yeah, you know. Sure. But it doesn't escape the community and the, you know, all the good things that come from, you know, the things that actual church do. And so... I think there's a there's a mix there for me, which is yep. this is that's my, you know. But so, listen, any anything anything that gets people to act kinder and more compassionate, and, and again, one hundred percent on board. By extension, more holy towards each other. I am all for. Which I mean, really, to be honest, leads us to this common good question, right? Like, I, I remember uh, my first couple years in ministry. Um, so we had to do this thing called this early ministry Institute. Again, we're a very connectional church and we, we support each other. And at the time that I entered ministry, um, pastoral burnout was people entering ministry for the first time were leaving ministry in droves before their fifth year. And for women, it was before their third year. Like, and this is, this was at the height, like this was, we were just beginning the healthy church movement and things like that. So like, it was a very uh, weird time where more and more were being put on pastor's plates, but we, we as a church hadn't quite figured out, oh yeah, we need to do more. We don't have as many volunteers as we used to have. We're cutting staff like crazy. It was that very transitional time. And, and I was observing, um, these other ministers in their first couple of years, it was the first three years of ministry, this early ministry Institute. And a friend and I were talking and we were, we were hearing um, this other woman who was an associate pastor at a church being, she was being forced out to be honest. 
And as hard as that was, she was, um, she was doing all the things you're not supposed to do, right? The unhealthy things. She was getting the core people together to fight against her, that if they force her out, they're going to leave too and blah, 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 blah. And so my friend and I were talking and we were like, it's not that we don't see the unhealth of this church forcing her out. It's that there really needs to be an ordination vow for us of like, do no harm right? Like if you do nothing else in this ministry, do no harm. Mm. And to me, those, those are, those are different questions of like, do no harm and what is the common good? And yet they're very similar. They're very closely connected. It's like the negative version of it, you know, like exactly baseline, don't make it worse. And now how can we build from there? Right. Right. So, Brian, you want to tell us a little bit about this since you were just at their rally and spoke last night? Sure, yeah. Um, So there's, as we hinted in the intro, uh, a national effort called Vote Common Good. It's a a group of traveling folks going to different cities, uh, different congressional districts that they've uh, targeted that uh, they think are in play in the 2018 election. So they're looking at how can we shift uh, Congress and specifically targeting people of faith who maybe have historically voted uh, for the GOP and causing, you know, inviting people to think about given the current state of national efforts, the current administration, uh, does the Republican Party that you historically belong to hold the same values that it has in times past? Are things getting a little out of control? Is it time to consider whether or not that vote would actually be for the common good? And so it's not necessarily to get everybody you know, on the Democratic team, but really to get people to really think about their vote. And if you're not ready to vote for a different party, maybe to say, I'm gonna participate by doing a write-in candidate or just not, you know, not endorsing the person I would have endorsed before and taking my vote off the table, because maybe there's other reasons I can't in good conscience vote for a Democrat. Um, But they're also out there saying, look, uh, there are Democratic people of faith as well who, you know, have deep-seated connection to God, faith, family, the common good. And so so they're using Vote Common Good is the the name of the effort. And so what does common good mean? Um, They have six sort of uh, things that they're committing to. And number one says we will vote. So that's a value. We'll vote in the 2018 midterm elections. And then they say, not merely for personal group or party interests, but for the common good. We're all part of something larger than our own lives. And so it got me to thinking, well, what does common good mean when people hear that phrase? Is this a phrase that connects with people? Or is it a phrase that feels like a platitude or feels like some vague thing that you can't really define? So interested in what you two have to say, and then I can say a little more about how they've defined that. My concern is when we make the definition fit what we already believe. So, you know, one can look at certain issues that we stand by and say, it's for the common good if we do X, Y, Z. You know, so, I mean, pick pick your issue. Uh, Abortion, guns, taxes, whatever, you know, can we step outside of our own bubble, do some research to see how things really affect everyone and then come back and say, you know, what, what is, what is good about these things? You know, so I'll give you, I'll give you a great example. Um, I saw a couple of headlines over the last few weeks about, um, Trump's uh, um, his his trade policies. Okay, right. so as a person who was automatically like everything he does is bad, mm-hmm. uh, I did some deep dive in about these policies that he's enacted, and hearing from you know both sides, if you will, their views on what he's enacted, the results, blah 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 blah. And it turns out that they're actually, when it comes to like the trade policies, there's actually some good in there that if you're approaching it from where we stand in the world market and trade perspectives, um, that will benefit the country. Mm. uh, Even if we can't see it in the 
long term, at least short term. So, so there are some things in there now. For me, I was really trying hard not to agree with it, <laughs> you know, because right. in my view, but then I could say, okay, I, I think I can objectively stand back and say, here are some choices that were being made in this context that will actually benefit us. Um, and, and it's also hard for me to, to say I'm a person who believes that, yes, businesses need to be bigger, better regulated and follow rules. But at the same time, when these are loosened up a little bit, more jobs are created, people are employed. No, granted, I don't know that it's not the whole story because we, what we really need is a wage increase. Um, okay. But, you know, for a person who didn't have a job 10 weeks ago or 10 months ago that can get one now, who, who am I to argue that that's a bad thing? So so part of part of what I've been having to do and also to preserve my sanity and just not be angry every day <laughs> is is to say, is to be objective and say, can I get out of my own bubble of everything he touches turns to crap and might there actually be some good in there because despite what we would see in the headlines he's not the only one coming up with these ideas and these plans it's been a stretch it's been a lot of hard work but and but i found an example that i can do it in now now we got to balance that with how he shows up the rest of the time right I mean, you know, is and then broken clocks up, right. right twice a day, right? You know, like right, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, so there's so there's that idea, but it calls for it, it. It starts with a certain level of objectivity, and and I think that's hard for people to get to these days more so than ever. Well, that goes back to that conversation we had was it last week or a few weeks ago of like <clears throat> being able to actually listen to each other when we disagree, as opposed to just fighting with each other, you know, and, and, and am I closed off? You know, we, cause we can go around spouting how nobody listens to each other anymore and nobody can sit down and argue anymore in Congress, blah, 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 blah. Are we actually even doing that ourselves? You know, right. like, have we closed ourselves off in that same way? And, and listen, I applaud you for it. I'm not there yet. You know, I can't. And, 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 you know, I, I told my husband last night, like I, I have not dealt with the Kavanaugh stuff. Um, and I can't deal with it right now. Like I just can't. And, and if anybody ever comes at me and says, then you're not paying attention and blah, blah. And I'm like, then you're being the most insensitive person in the entire world right now. Because I, I, when I say I cannot deal with this right now, like I'm knowing my boundary and that I, if I like dive into this, I will not be able to function for a while. So I will, I will deal with it in my own space, in my own time and in therapy and everything else. But like right now I need to be able to live my life. So, you know, there's, we're all choosing these levels of engagement. Um, so for me, like when you talk about common good, right? Like that's actually an area where I'm like, it's not that I didn't, it's not that I didn't give my opinion about it or whatever. I mean, but at the same time, like, there is a level of care of disengaging that is for the benefit. And, and I will take, I will take that um, engagement to the voting booth. And until then I will deal with it in my own way, in my own time, mm. you know, and, and yet, you know, the, there is a level of outrage that I, I need to deal with on a personal level. And there are, other people are the opposite. They need to deal with it on the global level and on a social level. And I support them through that. But this is that interesting, what is common good right now is, you know, it's really hard to see and it's really hard to tell. And I will fully admit that more than any other time in my life, like I, I'm having a really hard time seeing that quote unquote other side. Um, and so when we do talk about common good, I do see it as quote unquote, my side, mm. because of just the genuine personal pain that I felt around this president and his um, actions, his language, his self and his administration. Like, it's really hard right now. It's really yeah. hard. Yeah. 
Uh, thank you for sharing that. And, and I, I hear you. And uh, I'll read the second commitment of the Vote Common Good folks. And I think that'll help flesh this out even more. They say, we will vote with the poor, vulnerable, and forgotten in mind, with religious, racial, and gender minorities, with children and the elderly, with the sick and diversely abled, upholding the God-given dignity of all people, no exceptions. Uh, and so, you know, that gives a little more explicitness to common good. That's sort of widening uh, who we're trying to see flourish is every single human person. And I would say it, it seems, in my experience of uh, having been a former Republican voter myself, and certainly under this current administration, that uh, there is a, a level of a certain desire of flourishing, but that it's a very... Uh, smaller scope of who is intended to flourish. And it's tended to be um, white families, uh, middle class, and certainly wealthy families, uh, corporation owners, um, and so on and so forth. And, you know, under the, and they'll say we want to help everyone. And we do that by helping the job creators and the corporations. And it's that whole trickle down uh, concept. And you just have to wonder if that really is a platitude when they say we want to help someone and here's how we're going to do it. But in the end, it seems that these, whether it's a tax code that and a tax break that's explicitly for the wealthy, um, that has negative and adverse effect on the poor who are already paying more than their fair share of taxes. Uh, you have to wonder how genuine that is. And if that really is just a platitude in a way they make themselves sleep at night because it's really helping them and their friends and not a whole lot of other people. And it perpetuates, I think, systems <clears throat> that have historically been against women, been against people of color, been against immigrants uh, and against um, the LGBTQ community. And I think all those communities have been under assault by this administration. And so, you know, I think Ogan is right. Not everything is going to be negative or terrible, but, who are those trade policies helping really and at what cost are we improving trade relations when other lives are under threat? So, you know, for me, common good, like when I hear it, including every single person that resonates with me. And I also see that reflected in the life and model of Jesus. And I too, with Shannon have a really, really hard time seeing that right now in one of our two parties, knowing that neither party is perfect nor any other sort of third party is perfect. I get that. But I feel like we're at a point where one has just really gone off the rails from even its own historic values. To, uh, to answer your question with the platitudes, um, short answer is yes. And it, it is. And I will never forget the, and by their own admission, I'll never forget when they were um, about to pass the, the, the tax plan. They gave all the tax breaks, the, to the rich folks, uh, right. Senator Lindsey Graham came on TV and just outright said, we have to have these tax breaks so that they can have more money to contribute to our campaign. Like he said <laughs> this out loud. <laughs> right. And, and after that, I was like, wait, what, what? Right. You know? Um, and, and the partisanship has gotten so crazy. Uh, I re, um, there's ter- currently two, I believe I want to say senators or representatives to Republican senators or maybe representatives. I forget how the government works. Anyways, they're basically <laughs> being, uh, investigated for, for fraud. Uh, one of them's out in California somewhere. And he was like, these are the first two people to come out and support Trump when he said he was running. One of them's being investigated for fraud. He took, he took, money that people donated to his campaign and him and his wife are out traveling, buying stuff. And they interviewed people. And there was a guy who simply said, I am okay with him doing that because I'm never going to vote Democrat. And, and when you talk about the common good for me, we, we, we are this place where so many of us cannot say, wait, this guy just robbed me. Mm. And I'm still going to vote for him. It's like someone breaks into your house. You come home, you catch them in the act, they run away and you run behind them saying, you forgot to take some more stuff. Come back. Let me help you. 
uh, you, you know, so I, I think that's, that's the trouble we find ourselves in. And you're right, because we strayed away from, from that, that how, how can we arrange this and set this up so that we're creating a world that works for all. Right. And, you know, right. to your point about the two parties, you know, as much fault as we can, we can find with the last like Democrats who were in power, you know, and mistakes that they may have made. I, I, I mean, personally, I was never a big fan of, you know, the drone war and, and all of that, right. you know, but again, this is, this is the, this is the government that, you know, allowed you to have health insurance right. <laughs> regardless of pre-existing conditions and to have affordable health insurance out of your pocket, which is something that benefits everyone. And good. I think that is a great example. So I, I have like kind of two examples of common good, right? So the first is what was deemed Obamacare, you know, the Affordable Care um, Act. Affordable and, Care Act, yeah. Yeah. And maybe like my health insurance actually went up, but it was no pre-existing conditions. It was everybody has to have everybody needs to um, find, find a way to be secure and helped in their medical needs. Right. Um, so maybe my price actually went up mm. and I was okay with that. And I figured it out and I made it work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, even the point of being penalized if I chose to opt out of that, you know, which was a very insignificant penalty, but nonetheless, it was there. Versus we actually, our household, because we live in an area that is a high cost of living area mm -hmm. and the, the, the tax cuts that, you know, kind of Trump put in place or the Congress put in place, um, they actually benefited us because they were, they were a federal tax cut that our income level was so high because we, again, because we live in a really high in, you know, Right. Whatever. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Things are um, adjusted for that. local realities. Exactly. They benefited us. We actually got about $200 per paycheck back in taxes. And our, as a family, both of us sat there and said, we would rather not have this money. And again, because partially because we're privileged to not, and again, not that we don't need the money, you know, I mean, nobody doesn't need the money kind of, well, there are people, but you know, even in our kind of bracket, we would, I would rather give that $200 to the people that actually needed a tax cut versus somebody who's over $80,000 a year. And, you know, I'm, right. I'm doing okay. You know, at what cost are we getting this break? At exactly. what cost to other people? I don't need $200 back on the backs of someone who's right. working a minimum wage job. That's it right. felt like dirty money. It did feel like dirty money. Oh, absolutely. Whoa. That is absolutely correct. And so on, you know, it, it, that's the balance that I weigh of common, like common good means it may benefit me and it did benefit me, but am I really okay with that? And yeah. so, you know, we had to make a decision about what to use that money for. And we, we decided we didn't want to keep the money. Like, and we started making donations to organizations what, that lottery tickets to help local public schools. Right. Oh, no, I'm teasing. <laughs> lottery <laughs> tickets in general are not allowed in our house <laughs> anyway. But the point, you know, the point is we had to like really make a conscious decision. And I understand that's not true for everybody. Right. You know, we also, honestly, the other side of that is we probably should have put that $200 vert to pay down debt. But like if, right. You're exactly right, Ogan. It felt like dirty money. So what are we going to do with it? And I think that's a perfect example, Shannon, of, of sort of the counter to the common good. And I think that's one of the themes of this uh, vote common good effort is that many people vote with how is my bottom line impacted? And I don't really care what impact it has on my neighbor or on someone across town or across the state or the country like how does this help me and that's exactly what's going to drive my vote and they're right. saying doesn't jesus call us to a, a broader view of humanity and the kingdom of god where we think as you are thinking well yeah it might help me but who is this going to hurt and what are the right. other consequences to this that i have to think about so i, I think that's a, a great framing of this dilemma yeah and just one last word of like it may benefit me. It may benefit my friends. It may benefit everybody that I come in contact with at work, 
at home, at whatever. And, and, you know, we're constantly, one of the common good questions that we like to ask in our house is who, who has not been consulted, who, how I'm drawing this opinion based on, you know, all the people that are around me, but we all do it. And, and I'm not opposed to this. I surround myself with people that, that do think like me and that believe like me. And, and I think that's okay. I just, who then is not in the room? Like, and that's a consistent question that needs to be asked. Yes. And so a question I have is, do we have space in our notion of the common good in this country to include non-U.S. citizens or people who are citizens of, of other nations, right? Not even people who are underdocumented in our country, but people who are, you know, Russian or Chinese or Argentinian. Like, can our concept of the common good encompass all of humanity? And should our voting be with that in mind? And I think for too long, we've kind of had this America first sort of national narrative that drives our voting and drives our defense practices and spending, but at what cost to all of humanity? Right. We ban nuclear waste from our land and send it to China. Right. Like, okay, great. We've done a good thing for us. What have we just done to the people of China? Yep. You know, and, and I, again, like this is, these are hard, difficult questions that people need to deal with and look at, but I want somebody in office, no matter what, genuinely, no matter what their political party, I want someone in office who is thinking about this question, who yeah. is thinking on a global level, who is getting out of their upbringing, their frame of mind, their whatever, and, and going, okay, great, let's ban it from us, but what are we doing with it? So it, maybe that was a temporary solution, but how are we going to work towards getting rid of this kind of waste, period? I got, I got two words for you. Term limits. Mm. It's a, um, it's a generational thing. It is. I totally agree. Time, time, time uh, on both parties, both sides, time to get the old people out. <laughs> I mean, I'm, listen, I'm from Kentucky who Mitch McConnell <clears throat> has been our Senator for, I mean, I, I no longer there or vote there. And even when I live there, we tried desperately to get him out of office and people are tired and I get that, but like, it's just easier sometimes to keep a status quo yeah. and he's the majority leader now. And how can we vote him out and blah, and like friends. And he was a Senator God. when my parents were born. So how can we, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I went to camp with his daughter, like no. guess what? She was picked up in a limo by somebody she didn't know at the end of camp. Like, yeah this is not exactly a person I want leading my nation. And, and, and I think the thing that um, back to, back to the healthcare debate a little bit, this is the thing that I always saw as a disconnect, which was, I remember when they're, you know, they were trying to roll out their new healthcare plan and no matter how much they could, you know, twist the words and the language, basically they're saying is, you know, we, we, we're going to have to bring back preexisting conditions on, on your thing. And there was an uproar, like like the public got up on, and it didn't matter where you were on the political spectrum, in a mm -hmm. united voice and said, no, right. we don't want this. And if you do this, you're not going to get our vote again. Now, what fascinated me is that, one, at no point that I can recall were, you know, people who traditionally Republicans, conservatives said, oh, by the way, you know, thanks Obama. Like, really, not sarcastic. No, God, they would <laughs> not give us this. And and second of all, but wait a minute. This party that we say we're aligned with, we're willing to take this away from us. Don't we think it's time we have to reconsider our allegiance to these folks? Right. And and that never came up. To Brian's point, it's just you know what is right in front of us at this current moment. Um, and as and again. If, 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 if I can't see that, that what you're doing is going to affect somebody else or take away from me, I'm not going to get in as much as an uproar about right. it. Um, yeah, one of, the, one of the interesting principles that I think highlights what we're talking about is the, uh, the fifth commitment of Vote Common Good. They say, we will vote against policies and politicians who promise special privileges for any religion, including our own. Nice, yeah. 
And I, and I love that because that expands that notion of, yeah, it might help me and my tribe, but is that really legitimate? And should I really be seeking that? And I think naming that explicitly is, is pretty powerful. Absolutely. And that's part of that who's not in the room, right? What, what conversation, you know? Yeah. So is it time for, for pass or pour? Um, I want to, I want to, I want to segue, not segue, uh, call an audible. Um, Ooh, an audible. <laughs> and instead of pass or pour, there was this article that you posted on the pub theology page, uh, 10 signs you're actually following Trumpianity instead of Christianity. Right. Mm. And we don't, we don't have time to cover all of them, but. Give us but a few. Pour there, it. There are a few. <laughs> there are a few that I think are worth um, taking a look at. Um, and some of them we alluded to, like number nine, you think, quote, but we're a nation of laws, somehow trumps biblical teachings on how immigrants are to be treated. Ah, uh, yeah, that's a classic. That was a good one. Um, another sign you might be uh, into Trumpianity versus Christianity. Your church is planning a patriotic service for the mm. 4th of July. Oof. And I love the uh, the the... The text below it. Let me simplify this for you. There's no such thing as patriotic worship unless right. you're willing to admit you're worshiping your own country, which mm. is pretty much idolatry. Um, here's another fun one. You think that having a filthy mouth and boasting about sexual immorality is a sign of being unsaved. But when it comes to Trump, you all of a sudden have a who am I to judge attitude. <laughs> Kaboom. That 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 was the thing that uh, I just found fascinating. Which, yeah. Again, you know, all credibility for so many people willing to support that. I'm okay. I'm willing to share this on our site, but the artists that did renditions of women, they're um, they don't show any. It's not you know porn or anything, but it it is naked women with Trump's um, oh. sayings written yes. on their yeah. bodies. Oh yeah, that was I've powerful. It. It's very powerful. I'll I'll share that on our page with a trigger warning, but still like it's right. Yeah. Like that it it hits that point home directly. Yeah, and you know I saw uh in my Facebook feed uh this week our local sort of long sitting at least for several terms uh Republican representative has you know a video promoting his campaign. He's up for election, re-election in November. And he talks about family values. And this guy's been a big time, vocal, visible supporter of Trump. And I'm just like, how can you actually be saying you believe in family values and have any authenticity to that? Like, who's buying this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of values, here's another one. You want the nation to return to, quote, biblical values, except... Except for all those socialist sounding biblical things like <laughs> for the poor, welcoming the stranger, giving food to the hungry, etc. Sure enough. My favorite, my favorite. Your church spends one month a year celebrating the story of a refugee family who fled their violent homeland and secretly <laughs> crossed the border to safety, only to return homes return home years later where their son became another unarmed person of color killed by the state's violent security forces because they felt threatened yet you spend the, the other 11 months of the year missing the obvious point i actually had an argument with somebody who said like that is not jesus story that is not true and i was like in okay. in what i'm sorry like what reading of matthew do you not like that is explicit they had an issue with the word refugee i was like um no like herod i i, I like that's the problem with like being so closed off, right? Like, right. no, I'm, I'm actually here to tell you and I feel that, yeah, I'm a little bit of an expert in this right now. <laughs> right. So that's, a, that's, you know, but back to one of the earlier made points, can we get out of our own bubble? All, right. all of us, you, you know, um, and again, but get out of it and land in a place where are the choices we make, the votes we take for it for the common good will will all benefit from it is this a vote that everyone will benefit from and even if i have to pay a little bit more now i will still benefit in the long run because everybody else around me benefits as well right 
And that's, that's really, really hard, you know, um, and especially as we've become more and more of an instant gratification culture, we've lost the gist of the long term. Everything's got to be now, 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 now. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, and just, I blame air conditioning and Amazon. I mean, I don't know, you know, I've said this multiple times. I don't know how this ends. I don't know how this stops. Um, this, I pray is a way that it does, that it starts that ball rolling, that, you know, we're focusing on kindness right now and focusing on, you know, thinking of outside of your bubble. Like if that's where we begin, then let's do it. But like any step forward at this point, I just, I think so many of us need that. I come back to over and over and over again, right? Like do not lose hope. Like, do not lose hope. And I, sorry, go ahead. No, just because the moments that I felt like, and and again, like I can't deal with the Kavanaugh stuff because that will help. Like, I will lose all hope, and I can't. That is a significant part of my faith. That even as the you know, the Israelites are wandering in the desert for forty years, even though it should have taken them about ten days. Like, you know, for 40 years wandering this desert, they lost hope how many times? And God kept saying, I am faithful. I am faithful and showing that over and over again. So if that means that I, it's not a blind eye that I'm turning. I know what's happening. But if that means that that's what I need to do to keep my hope, then that is more faithful of me right now. Hmm. So that's, that's where I'll put my energy. Well done. That's a good final word. Ogan, anything to add? And as we move toward a close? Um, I was going to say, I spoke about this this past Sunday. Uh, videos up on YouTube, Unity on the River, YouTube page. And I also mentioned this uh, on this episode a few episodes back when we asked what gives us hope. Yeah. Take the long-term view. Yeah. You know, step back for a little while and realize that in, in spite of the craziness that's happening right now, and I would even say because of it, because it helps get us clear about who we want to be as a species, humanity at this point in its existence is doing the best that it's ever done before (laughs) in terms of, I mean, for all the things we talk about, yes, there's less poverty in the world than there's ever been. There's less people hungry than they've ever been. You know, we are really dropping the ball on the environment, but I think, you know, more and more of us are beginning to come around on this a little bit. Um, So, so we are, we are evolving uh, on an, on an up, on an up, up slant. We go, Mm -hmm. we're getting better. And it's, fits and starts and right now we are in one bad fit <laughs> right but i think i i i too know that eventually and i said this on sunday and and it was a phrase that uh i i don't it was hard for me to say it. ultimately this is not gonna matter ultimately the grand scheme of things 50 100 years from now i truly believe this moment in time won't ultimately matter because we're gonna we're going to look at each other eventually and say, this is not who we want to be mm. as a nation, as a people. And, and we're going to come out of it. I would just, just kind of add or push back that like, what will matter coming out of this is that women are speaking up, right? What will matter, like yeah. what will matter is our reaction to it. Yeah. Like that's yeah. what will matter. And, and that's what you're trying to say with that. Yes. Like, yes. Absolutely. Yes. You know, what yep. matters is how we respond. And, yeah. uh, and, and and the, the struggle is those of us who know are being or we're impatient, like we absolutely. we know and we're like, come on, people, you we're better than this. What are we doing? But we right. got to be patient and wait for for everyone to come along with us. Yeah, at our uh, vote common good rally last night, uh, John Pavlovitz used that quote: "The moral arc of the universe is long, but it bends toward justice," which gives us hope for the long view, but maybe creates a little impatience now. And he said, how can we uh, be arc benders or how can we give that arc a little nudge so that we're moving things along on that trajectory? So not to use that quote to sort of feel powerless, but rather empowered and know that what has God called us to do and to be to help move humanity and the world in the direction that God longs for us to have. Indeed. Great.
Well, thank you, friends, for tuning in to Pub Theology Live. I uh, hope you enjoyed our conversation on the common good today. If you enjoyed it, please share it on your social media page. You know, tweet it out, uh, post it to Facebook. Remember, you can listen anytime on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Music, or iTunes. And please rate us there on iTunes as you are able. And you can watch us on the YouTubes, now on Instagram TV. And we post uh, snippets to our Facebook page, which has been quite quite enjoyable, including some pre and post show uh, fun. And you can always find us as well on the New Thought channel. And if you'd like to have a conversation group like this in your town, uh, check out uh, resources at pubtheology.com. There's also a directory of groups that are already happening, and you can just jump right in. And remember, check out the uh, tour schedule for Vote Common Good at votecommongood.com. And until next time, friends, drink responsibly and keep those conversations flowing. to um for those of you still listening for resources we will speak out.us um they're calling for um this sunday like for you to spend time in the pulpit with um women like believing women and speaking out against that and there's a pledge um there's a litany of a pledge that you know on their site i'll i'll post it please um in november um we we're doing a, a Me Too Church Two. Anyway, I just kind of want to give that resource out there and post that out there if anybody is, particularly men. Like I think that a lot of women are preaching about this, and this is still one of those areas where we sound like we're bitter and angry for personal reasons, and that we have every right to be. But I think that really male pastors they need to talk about this. And they need to, they need to stand up and for the common good and say we disagree, for sure. So, Great. but the liturgy is very good. It's a very very good liturgy. Please share. And very inclusive. You know, not just women, but very inclusive. Share 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 with us. Yeah, I will. Great. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's all go. You know, we'll see you, you next week. We'll see you next week and go seek the common good. Yay. <laughs>